Welcome to my Black Ass Experience, the podcast. I am AJ Lovelace. I'm Cami Hicks. And we are your hosts for this show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the movement, the Black Lives Matter movement of 2020. Um, you know, a lot of people feel like it's not new. It's not new. And it's n- it's not. It's an ongoing thing. It's been going for a long time. And I kind of steer away from calling it civil rights because, again, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's human rights. <laughs> yeah. And anything that makes me feel like we're not humanizing black people, I stay away from. I know. Just because, you know, rhetoric matters, totally matters. Yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah. So in terms of the movement, one of the things that we're going to explore today is like what radicalized us. I mean, I guess it was a long time coming. Tamir Rice was definitely the story, um, tragic loss that just kind of flipped me upside down. Like, this is it. Never having kids. And this is just, you know, this is this is it. So can you do me a favor? Yeah. And for anyone who might not be versed oh, okay. in Tamir Rice's story, can we just contextualize it briefly? <laughs> and then... Usa. Um A 12-year-old boy outside playing with a toy gun in the park uh, has the cops called on him because he has a gun in an open carry state sitting in the park by himself. And the cop pulls up within 2.2 seconds. He's He's gone. So, doesn't say anything to him, just opens the door and fires. Uh, 12 years old. And so, you know, that just... uh, I mean, we see so many, and it's just... It's sad to say we see so many. Mm. For some reason, that one just hit. It just... You see his pictures, and you see this kid, and his eyes, and his smile. I'm like, that could have been my kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Just a beautiful child. And they just see us... I mean, he's a kid, and they just saw him as a black something you know right. i'm not going to call him anything besides his name right ever um right. so that definitely changed me and so i think then i started to become a little bit more, I, I always say that i was naive and like if we just let things go or if we just like kind of let time take it you know say things when you need to say things but don't rock the boat those days have passed mm-hmm. um and just in the last couple of years where we used to live there was no protest or anything like that nobody really cared there was no out you know nobody was outraged or anything it was just kind of a we don't talk about those things here because it doesn't affect us kind of a thing but affected so anyway we moved here COVID happened and then George Floyd happened and just been out in the streets ever since and I never in my life thought I'd be out there um, by myself going to these events or marching with people that I don't know or you know but it's not about me it was bigger than me and it's about this movement it's not a moment it is a movement and you know there's no turning back now i definitely know that Tamir was it um but brianna taylor like mm-hmm. you know there's no going back that was just definitely like this is your this is what you are here for so i, I have to say that Tamir rice the little sprinkle of uh, sandra bland and um definitely a lot of scoops of Sorry, I don't know if I'm making ice cream here, but uh, <laughs> Breonna Taylor and just the, just the tragedy of all those. I mean, all, just so many names. Here we are. Right, right. So that pushed me in this direction to uh, bring us here today. Right. For me, um, I think, you know, I've, I've been an artist since I was seven. Mm-hmm. And my work as an actor started when I was 12 years old. And from that moment... Actually, I'll go back to when I started writing. Mm-hmm. One of the first poems that I started writing that really was a really my full idea, and it was about actualizing it, and really kept me on this path of like I want to pursue this. Right. Was about freedom. Right. How ironic, right? right? And I wrote about it from the point of horses. Oh wow! 
So I guess I was able to identify like these creatures right. are freer than than oh my me. gosh they could ever imagine yeah. right. So I couldn't see my the notion of black yeah. people being free, but the notion of horses being free made sense to me because I think it just was beyond anything right. right. I, something about it in my mind was unifying. Right. And then as my work continued, I'd write things about uh, people who were incarcerated. I'd write things about. Um, people who were queer and I it, so again it's like there's always something about these marginalized right. communities right these right. underrepresented groups the ironies I'll even jump back to 2016 mm-hmm. when 45 was elected I don't waste time with the no, names no um, when 45 was elected I was actually out in New York right outside of Trump Tower protesting that yeah. so now to jump forward to this moment yeah. for me with seeing these videos right because I think for me it's yeah. it's this kind of weird stream of, I hate to put it this way, but this stream of black tragedy, mm-hmm. right? This mm-hmm. stream of here's a viral video, here's another viral video, it's just the here's right. Yeah. It just kind of kept yeah. going, and so it was just literally this endless stream of this. And I think when I saw George Floyd's video in particular, I said. They can't deny this one. We've yeah. got multiple angles. We have time because we're mm-hmm. not employed, yeah. many of us. Yeah. Or we, we are not going outside because of the quarantine. So we had time. Right. And the facts were coming out. There was no news cycle to disrupt it because right. everything was, we're inside. So people weren't doing things, right? right? Yeah. Um, you had to pay attention. So you couldn't, right, you could not escape what happened to right. George Floyd. Whether you watched the eight, almost nine minute video whether you just heard how long it was, just all of it was inescapable. And it was so inescapable that right before that happened, I was in this interesting space of still being able to follow up on a couple of projects I had started mm-hmm. right before COVID had hit. And I was like, there were one-on-one photo shoots, okay. which I feel comfortable saying now because, again, it was socially distanced. It was about, we were using masks. Right. So that was really critical, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how this works, but if this person feels comfortable, we're going to get this right. job completed. Right. So there was two weeks where I wasn't doing anything, and I was like starting to spin, right? There was no creative outlet. Right. There was no work. There were no gyms. And then the tragedy of what happened to George Floyd galvanized the world. Right. And again, it was that this call, this beacon that mm-hmm. just dragged me out of the house. Right. And what's horrifying now, in retrospect, is we went out at the end of May mm-hmm. for George Floyd. Mm-hmm. Breonna Taylor had been dead, murdered oh, since March, the day that, know. you know, everything happened. And what's crazy are the parallels to her case and Emmett Till's actually 56 years mm-hmm. to the day. That wasn't that was insane. I can't even to the day. I didn't even notice that until I saw the post. It hurt. Yeah. yeah. And so I think what's very evident for us is what moved us to the movement was one our blackness Mm -hmm. but the inescapable and unrelenting reopening of this trauma right right it's like never ending never ending it's just a nasty deep wound that just will not will not be allowed to be healed we're like we have no control over this wound somehow or like I, I don't know how it's like I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just a deep wound that just will not heal because it's not being allowed to heal mm-hmm. or not given the ability to heal. It just it's a fight to heal. We have to fight for the right to heal and live. Which is horrifying <laughs> because you're like <laughs> yeah. And for me, I think 
One of the things that has been interesting, I think what moved a lot of people this time around, again, is we really had no purpose. Mm -hmm. None of us had a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone had kind of been shelved. Mm -hmm. We'd all just kind of been put in the back burner Mm -hmm. and we're just kind of like one of the odd blessings, if you will, about 2020. It's like, you know, we're too in the moment for any of this to make sense, really. But is that it really did make people kind of say, what am I doing? Like, if I'm not at work, what am I doing? Yeah, And then... What happened with George Floyd was exposed to the public Mm. and people said, oh, I'm going to do something Mm -hmm. about this because my complacency, my sense of hopelessness or feeling like I have no purpose is now eliminated because there is something happening and I should use my voice on this. Mm -hmm. And I think COVID was oddly like a blessing. I mean, not a blessing for those who we who it's taken, which is largely the black and brown community, which is another thing, like, even this virus Mm -hmm. is targeting us. (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but it's like, what else? As I always say, we're going to have to laugh about it, Uh, we're going to cry about it, and then we're going to die about it. Pretty much, yeah. That's the pattern, (laughs) that's the the flow. Like, what else? Honestly, what else? Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit last time, was like, kind of that sort of why us always 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 this target this is like the time like can we be last right like, right it's okay to like skip me for once right like, can you my actually hand just... wasn't up yeah <laughs> Ugh, i know for you talking about how like you moved from an area where this wasn't going to be talked about or it hadn't been because again mm-hmm. this thing has happened over and over again mm-hmm. what did it look like on a day-to-day basis for you because for me coming from you know being in new york city and you know the east coast i was in a what i'm now seeing as a suddenly rare position of being surrounded by diversity Mm -hmm. but what was that like really and people were quick to speak up right whether or not we were having like little offline conversations at work right we weren't really shy to have these conversations with each other and not to say that the east coast and the northeast is like this perfect world no i know but it's a dream world but (laughs) What what did that feel like for you? It sucks because that's where I grew up. And I think it changed. Well, not I think. And this is Northern California? It's just only two, two, two and a half hours north. Um, about 45 minutes north of Santa Barbara. Okay. So it's um, called Lompoc. I was technically in Vandenberg. And um, growing up, it was so diverse. And I mean, like there was not a kid that looked alike in my class. You know, mm. like all the way through elementary school, we were taught diversity and like we learn more about black history in elementary school than I've learned like out. And so I like, I just, I can't even deal with how amazing elementary school was. So fast forward, I mean, middle school, high school, no. I moved here and then I moved back to help my grandma for a few years. And when I went back, like it was just culture shock. It was like we were living in the forties and it was just completely segregated. So it reverted. It did like bad, 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 bad. I didn't even know even living here or other places that I've lived. No one's people have treated me differently because I'm black, of course, but I've never been called a nigger like from anybody except for there like living in my hometown that's where i've been called it the most and it's like this is where i grew up and i have all these memories with my friends and like that's my childhood and that's what it's like and so to see all these people that i grew up with now seeing who they are as adults um you know one of these i'm just recently i found a kid that i was best friends with all the way growing up and just to see what an average trump supporter and like blue lives matter and we should actually i read on his page like we should be paying them more and i'm like 
I my, when I think of my childhood, I think of him. Like he's one of the first people that comes to mind, and like to see that a I mean you know he didn't care as much maybe, but nothing you know none of that meant anything or like he can just push because I wasn't the only black kid that he grew up with at all. Like there you know he grew up around all kinds of different races and just to be like we're all something and you know blue lives matter it just hurts just to see these people that you love like genuinely love not care about you and I mean deleted and blocked and like people that my grandma used to go to church with like left the church you know over like racial things and then because they started allowing gay people to get married there they left and so just to see all these people that I thought were just like these open diverse like nice people their true characters when Obama was elected president like all that kind of stuff so I the younger me I think was surprised that no one cared you know right. like there's no protest and stuff but the older me was just like man you guys really are really bad people and this is just this is who I have known these are the people I grew up with and trusted and I trust my whole life you know so I mean we couldn't have moved at more of a perfect time um not to say that I'm happy that you know we have to be out there protesting but I couldn't imagine still being up north and not being here for all of this. Could you imagine, like, actually being up north and then being confined? No. And oh, God, no. <laughs> Sorry. I thought of, like, I say that to my boyfriend all the time. Like, if we were in quarantine up there, I, like, I wouldn't even be talking to you about this right now. Like, no, no. And that's so funny because that's how I felt about moving out here. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have been able to... Mm -mm have had the impact that I've had here back home. I, no, for whatever series yeah, of reasons, right. I just, it wouldn't have happened. No, and that's, that's kind crazy. of, you know, it's kind of crazy because you're like, okay, well, of course I went out there. But then you're like, well, would I have gone, I would I have actually made it out there had okay. I been where I was before right. this happened. Right. Mm -mm. Ooh, no. So just to be seeing it on the news, like, and I'm not, I mean, I watch the news and you know they, they make the story that they want to make and stuff like that. So to be here and like really see what's happening is so important to be able to tell these stories to people and like we're here now telling our stories and our like this, I mean, this is our history, you know? And so being a part of, you know, being out there and active and making our own history. Right, yes. I cannot even make... imagine not doing this. Like I don't know what I was doing six months ago or eight months ago, but it wasn't this. And no. You saying making our own history is perfect. I think that's oh, so thanks. perfect. Like, I love that. Like, we are making our we own history. Are. Fi finally. I know, right? And in a way that it can't be denied. Yeah. Because so many people who aren't us are documenting. Yeah. Yeah. That that part. For once. You know what I mean? Um, Thankfully. <laughs> and speaking of how we move to the movement... Just because you brought, do you know people, are there any people from your hometown who are involved? No. Maybe not. No. No. I don't have any friends or family that are, okay, I can't say friends. Nobody from there, my hometown at all. They had one march, one day down, and let me tell you, there's two main streets in my hometown. Two. They had one march from half of it to another half of the, that's, that was the extent of their march. The neighboring town had one, and they thought that was just, like, the biggest thing in the world. Like, I hope you guys really slept good that night. Like, you really pat yourself on the back for that. So, one. It's a very Make America Great Again town. And it's completely colonized. I'm just going to call it out. Um, the people that are moving there, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we don't have enough time. Just Ooh, whatever. Right, like, right. Like, whatever. I mean, stop bringing that nasty energy to 
these beautiful places. Like, this right. is California. Stop bringing that here. And, I mean, it's people that aren't from here that are from, like, just... Anywhere else. Anywhere. And, I mean, other parts of California that are bringing that nasty negativity and making it a very... Um, make America great again. Can't, I, I won't even touch Santa Barbara anymore. Like, we're and, good. And see, that's so difficult because it's, again, these spaces that, one, are obviously very scenic and beautiful, like, physically right. in, in that own right, but they're small. Right. And Ooh. the problem with that Ooh. is you can basically flood mm -hmm. that whole area with all this negativity. Yeah, and that's right? what happens. And it's scary that, yeah. you know, these people may not be moving to the movement for human rights, mm -hmm. but they're moving in the direction of of oppression yeah exactly and, and it's scary because they almost believe like they're having their own movement they do then that they think that they're doing right i can't imagine like thinking that that's good or what feeling good about oppression oppressing okay and you heard about <laughs> and, and to that point is like even kyle rattenhouse that guy who went and shot Did those two people go fund me Right. The Christian church group or whomever went and raised funds. I'm staring in Flint, Flint, Michigan right now. And they still don't have clean water. Yeah. But, you know, him going to another state armed to the deep, that's, you know, that's the Christian way. I digress. And I think one of the things that for me is so alarming is the fact that, again, we are struggling to get people to move in the space of liberation. Mm-hmm decency, equality, and there are people who are horrified. Yeah. They are literally beside yeah. themselves or wrought with anger yeah. about this. And they are organizing and moving in droves to continue suppression mm -hmm. and to continue racist ideology. Yep. That to me is just, it's so scary. Yeah, I know. I like, I try to speak on it, but it's like, you have to be to that level of crazy or evil or just withdrawn to really even understand it. So, I mean, that's just why we can't grasp that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's borderline impossible <laughs> trying to get right any non-racist headspace over to a racist headspace. We were taking uh, food, like we made a whole bunch of, everybody brought all kinds of stuff and we met at City Hall and I had a wagon of food mm -hmm. and stuff and we were taking it down to Skid Row and we legit had people like screaming out of the cars, of course, little cowards, but like there were murderers and terrorists, and I'm like, we're we, we're carrying food. You're bringing food to the unhoused. Yeah, and that's um, terrorist activity. People really are continuing to think that this movement is about anything other than equality. I really am trying to understand what do they like truly inside of themselves. What are they thinking? Like what like. If you really were like, okay, don't listen to what the news is saying. What do you really think is happening? Yeah, I know. I know. And again, it just goes to show that how rooted the racism is in this country's DNA that people think know. that it's un-American to get rid of racism. Exactly. And it's un-American to protest racism um, and oppression. And if you do, you're un-American. It's like, okay, well, I'm un-American until it's American again, I guess. Right. What do, what do we do here? And that's my whole thing There's is, an argument. I think there's nothing more patriotic than telling your system that it might be exactly. having some issues. Exactly. And that it's not doing what it's supposed to do for its people. Because mm -hmm. I won't say broken. That means that the system, you know, was designed better. And it's like, no, it wasn't. It was designed Never. this way. Right. It's, it's, it works for them, so it's completely fine. Mm -hmm. It needs to be shot. We're not trying to make the system not work for them. We're right. just trying to allow space for everyone. There's a little room on the side. Can we, can we have a piece? That's so much. That's asking a lot. I know, but just a corner. So <laughs> it's beyond. It is beyond. One of the things I want to talk about in terms of moving to the movement and these other racist non-movements, because I don't like comparing them. Yeah. I like to make yeah. it clear to people that they're not rooted in yeah. the same energy or process. Yeah. Um, or goal. Right. They're not rooted in equality. You know, 
they're just not. Yeah. So I just really want people to like not conflate Stop. the two. <laughs> right. But with that being said, I'd like to talk about our experiences in terms of being out there. Mm-hmm. I started out there May 31st and it's what I call, I was a part of what I call the first wave. Right. Is that right. first initial wave yeah. of support downtown. Thousands of people on the streets. You couldn't see right. anything besides people. Yeah. Yeah, you literally couldn't see anything other than people. Like yeah. when if, you saw those air, like the overview or like the droid or drone. Sorry. Right. Like, how would you know? Like, it goes on for like miles down the way. It's beautiful. Yeah, and so for me, yes. when I when I was out there and I was a part of that, mm-hmm. um, I was completely energized. I was energized for like two two and a half months straight, mm-hmm. just completely energized by everything mm-hmm. that was going out going on. And there was a point where suddenly people's motivation within the movement started to become clear that it wasn't as altruistic Mm -hmm. and that it was becoming Mm self-serving yeah and that really started to disenfranchise me because it's like this you're you're doing the thing that we are protesting Mm -hmm. in the middle of our protest i know that became its own struggle so then what i have to call the second wave occurred Mm -hmm. and i know you were out there during the first wave Mm -hmm. Um, was there a point for you where you had a break? Because I've popped up throughout the second wave, is how I'll phrase it, mm-hmm. as I've continued to do work from not the front lines. Right, yeah. But for you, what was your trajectory? I don't think I've taken a break. I took a week off at one point. Um, it was just, you need to. Right. Just mentally and physically, you know, you're out there just marching for hours, screaming, dehydrated, it was hot. I mean, thankfully for all the volunteers and amazing people that come yes. out and, like, provide the water and snacks. Like, you guys are just, just seriously heaven sent. But after a while of listening to, it's not even just the marching and stuff, it's listening to the stories of the families, of the victims, um, every single day. And, I mean, th- they deserve to be listened to, they need to be heard, people need to be out there and hearing these stories. Yes. And taking something from it and moving with that, but... I mean, just mental health wise, like I just kind of shut down for like a good week. And I want to say that was probably like July. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right around the time that I started to pull back from the front lines. Right. Right. And then around my birthday, I think I was like, okay, I'm ready to go back out. So it was like late July. And then I haven't taken off since. Right, right, right. Um, been, I wasn't as much in the front. Well, I was marching, but not really getting into as much trouble as probably now <laughs> <laughs> right so so yeah. for you the second wave was more of your frontline work i was more radicalized the second wave than okay. it was the front one i was yes. like i'm gonna bake cookies and I'm, I'm gonna fight so i'm gonna bake and fight from here on out <laughs> and that's, that's where it is now seriously that's what we're doing so um yeah just like a week of just crying and breathing and smoking and then going right back to it yeah that's pretty important, though. Just those days well, off. It, it is important. It's something I want to say right now, just for any anyone who's listening to this, especially, but very specifically, I want to address the black portion of the audience. Any moment that you need to take for yourself to gather for yourself, please do. You do not have to justify or prove or validate your blackness for anyone. Definitely. Every day that you are alive and you have goals and dreams and aspirations and you stand up in spite of the system that has been designed to capture and destroy you, you are a living, breathing protest. Mm-hmm. So please be proud of yourself. Take the time to galvanize your energy and protect your spirit because that's why the ancestors are what we have to draw on. Okay. That energy, that sort of belief and protection of there are too many people who died for us to be right where we are now, 
just remember that and feel valid in yourself in that mm-hmm. always right. protest or you know literally marching or not stay valid and stay grounded in that because that's really important for a lot of people I, I think we don't get to talk about that as much at all um because we are so busy trying to fight that we're not allowing ourselves to stay grounded exactly regroup yourself your heart your head your just your everything and that's like i think that's what took me so long to take a break and um you probably can relate just like Mm -hmm. you felt you just like had a duty or like Mm -hmm. i am like i'm here for it like i have to and who am i letting down by not being out there I'm hurting myself more than anything. And it's like, I mean, just that self-care is everything. So it's not even that I just like decided like, okay, I'm going to take a break now. It's like one day I just couldn't it, leave it, my bedroom. A hundred percent. It wasn't yeah. a decision. It was like a body shutdown. My body's like, bitch. <laughs> and so it's like, we're not going anywhere. So, right. yeah. I mean, I mean, what you said, flawless. I mean, it's not talked about enough, but take that time. And I mean, just take that time. It's so important. Because this is continuous work. It is. And the big thing I like to say about the movement is you have to be able to continue to show up. Mm -hmm. So every day you have to find a way to come back. Right. Is really what it is. Even if it's just like I have Mental Health Monday. Like it's either I just don't talk. I don't touch my phone at all. I only have my iPad and just like I can post, but I'm not talking to anybody. Talk to you Tuesday. That's it. And then, I mean, yesterday I went out with friends for the first time in months, you know. So it's just one day even just to like remember who you are and laugh and sing and be like a fucking disaster if you need to be and then when you're ready not on a schedule that's set for you when you're ready 100 percent. i had i had moments where i felt guilty for laughing that part yeah like, i felt i was like i can't enjoy anything right now i can't i can't watch comedies i, I can't and watching nothing but like angry things because i'm angry because how dare you be happy that's so sad i felt i feel that i totally felt like oh, man. i yeah. was anti the movement all of a sudden because i wanted to not be crying and stressed out or not be totally on fire right Right. now about this i'm not on fire i'm not feeling it so then i'm like no you happiness is your right like and having that moment to be like wait this is my protest being able to laugh and and not feeling in danger for a moment okay you know i mean i'm sorry that that was you too but that was me like i I'm sorry, yeah. yeah I'm sorry sucks. for us that it was... <laughs> and anybody else that, like, feels that way, like, how dare I be having a good day today? Like, you need that good day. Like, take that... You deserve... You fought for that good day. That's so important. Oh, my heart. I'm saying that more and more now. It can, like... You need that time. You hear yourself? <laughs> right. She's literally, like, touching Listen. herself to, like, wake up every cell in her exactly. body to get on that page. And you get have to do that. Board. Yeah. And so now talking about the second wave... One of the things I want to think about or touch on is what the second wave has really looked like. Mm. And I'd like to address it from my point of view a little bit um, and then get into your point of view and then our shared experience. Because for me, I was very, again, I felt kind of alienated by the second wave. Mm -hmm. I felt alienated. I felt like, I felt as though I had to kind of prove i had to like reintroduce myself to the movement for whatever reason and i was like wait a minute i'm at a black lives matter event and i have to let i have to justify to these non-black people that my black ass experience is valid in this space why and that was a big part of what edged me out a little bit right? right 
And so every time people didn't know this, but I would be showing up to the Black Unity Camp before it had been raided, Mm -hmm. which is so important that that stronghold was a threat Mm -hmm. to Los Angeles, that they had to go in and raid it at 12 or 2 o'clock in the morning in the middle of the night, as they love to do. Um, Cowards. Right, right. 100% cowardice. And so I felt like, and so people didn't realize that, like, I'd always been around. Right. I'd been there talking to different current organizers and assisting <laughs> them behind the scenes and helping, you know, galvanize them and saying, hey, look, you have to watch out because they will run the fire trucks through your group. Right, right. They don't care. And you had to create those bike lanes to protect right. your, you know, your those who are marching. Yeah. And so I was yeah. a big part of being like, these are the things that we faced in the first wave. Don't let them trick you or trip you up on it in the second wave. Mm-hmm. Um, I spend a lot of my time doing that and helping with organizing how literally how to organize a march. But again, it kind of became this thing where then I felt that the infiltration that was happening was really scary because these are people who were supposed to be seen as leaders. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to be seen as leadership and they were abusing that, whether... You know, how the level of corruption had become insidious in that element, I don't know because I wasn't involved in the corruption, so I can't point at it in saying it was specifically this. But I can highlight moments where I spoke out against it and I physically was disgusted and I made it clear that I didn't like those things. All that to say, this again made it hard for me to trust getting back into the second wave Mm -hmm. because I didn't know who was up to what, who was putting other protesters in, in danger because... I am all about those protesting to recognize each other's limits. Today might be the day where you want, you're ready to take a bullet. And today might be the day where all you can do is hold a sign and and pass out water. And that's okay. I didn't appreciate that people were guilting people. Still are. And that became became hard for me because then I felt, one, I felt ineffective. And then two, I felt like I had a target on me again. Within a movement that's supposed to be protecting people that look like me. It's so ugly. And so what was your kind of experience with the second wave? Or has it been? Because it's not over. It's still going. So, first of all, they won't even talk to me. At least they would talk to you. (laughs) People just... It's so ally-driven. And Mm -hmm. I saw a lot more. What I I thought at the time were... And they could have been. I, I just don't know who they were exactly. I saw a lot more out there activists and more black leaders when, you know, the crowds were in the thousands, of course, and stuff. This time around, it is a lot more... Uh, I'm there because I, I, have, I need to be there. I'm not there for who's particularly there or who's around or who's in the groups that, we're, that we all, you know, fuck with together. Um, but I find that people still don't acknowledge me the same. Um, that is very ally-driven or not pe- not black, let's just say it. It's not black-driven at all, a lot of the groups. And the ones that are, um, unless they're ones that are being shot at, nobody really fucks with them. So I find it very hard to even want to be a part of a group. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel accepted at many, um, even the ones that I have to say that are led by a black woman, unfortunately. Well, just one, I think. Um, I think there was just a lack of, it was still for, I think it was still for men. And I, I just, that, that hurts and whatever. But I don't feel, well, also, there's just a whole disconnect um, with a lot of groups not working together. Um, a lot of ego trips and just, you don't know who is a leader of this one. And this leader doesn't mess with this one, so they're not going to get together. And then the numbers are 
a mess and they're they're more mad that people aren't showing up to events than the fact that you know they're not providing safety for the protesters that they want to be at these events. I'm out there and I'm there and you know if there's something going on I'm going to be there if people need someone just to drive you know I'm happy to just drive like I've, I need to be out there with my you know my sign or whatever I'm there with my sign but I don't even know what direction that the second wave is going in. For the first one I felt like we were all there for the same reason and this one I'm like where are we all I know why I'm here but I have no idea what you guys are here and that's shitty I'm not saying that's everybody but the ones that I run into the most um yeah yeah and I and I know and, and I agree with you and one of the things I've had to deliberately do is in the second wave yeah. I've had to kind of reassert myself and reintroduce myself deliberately so I can call out anyone who's not helping yeah. I've had to kind of have that candid moment of like, if you don't know why you're here, right. we don't need you here. Right. You are only a distraction. You're only hurting what we're doing out here. Right. It's yeah. just so critical for people to remember because one of the things that I think you touched on is the second wave, because of the timing of it as well, mm. as we're getting into this very politically driven yeah. couple of weeks or few weeks. Yeah. It's not keeping Black Lives Matter at the center. Mm -mm. And I mean Black Lives Matter in terms of the movement. That movement needs to stay at the center of what we do Mm -hmm. because this is that central point that branches out into all those other areas of oppression in this country and throughout the world. And I really want people to understand the reason why black people are emphasizing this is because we know firsthand Mm -hmm. what it's like literally be the lowest priority. And if we somehow were to be a top priority or just a priority at the center of things, we would open up all the other issues that need that attention. Because as I've said before, black people are in all other spaces, not everyone is in the space of blackness Mm -hmm. and that's something that Mm -hmm. i think people don't grasp no no i mean you could say that six times and it'd still be like you know over the head i think this is a good spot for us to take a little bit of a break and we'll be right back hey welcome back to my black ass experience i'm cammy and i'm aj and before the break um i just kind of want to go back to a quote that you said before the break about uh, blackness being in all spaces Mm -hmm. and if we can go a little bit deeper into that and um just for some people who've never really heard that before yeah a hundred percent you know black people are in all experiences but not everyone is in the experience of blackness yeah so when i say that it's kind of like the whole all squares are rectangles but not all rectangles are squares thing right yeah and so whether you're black and queer black and female black and disabled, you already have an empathy because you understand what it's like to be marginalized just from being black first. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. if you're not black, if there's a part of your identity that is marginalized, like being disabled or being queer or being a woman, you're not able to empathize immediately right. with the identity of blackness, which mm-hmm. is already marginalized, right? Yeah. So it's like, think of it this way. If everyone's starting on a certain playing field, just even within like the marginalized group, right? Mm-hmm. So like, let's just drop the marginal marginalized group from zero to negative ten. Right now, you're black. Right. So just drop it already at negative twenty. <laughs> so those uh, privileges for non-black people make it better. Yeah. Actually, in the space of whatever marginalized aspect that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. yeah, it already makes it a little less difficult because you're not black. Mm-hmm. Which sounds crazy, but it's true. It's so true. That's why even, like, especially in, like, the queer community, I'm, I'm going to get this heat, but whatever. Yeah. No, no, let's get this heat. It's not scary to say that white gays are very toxic. It's not scary to yeah. say. It's not even 
hard to say that because it's obvious yeah. when literally on someone's profile no blacks no asians well, i mean i mean to be fair right white straights are the same oh yeah 100 percent. <laughs> i mean it's that white male period right yeah I and guess, and yeah. it's that thing of just automatically frail ego right white, yes. but you, it's like you're already but to your point it's like well you already know what it's like to be discriminated discriminated yeah. against because yeah. you're gay yeah and now you're just gonna do it too but you can still be, and it's like, mm-hmm, black people are in, in everyone else's spaces, but not everyone is in the space of being black. Exactly. The way that people have just continued to dehumanize black people it is is so alarming. And I think, like we said before, that mm-hmm. is ultimately what moved us in this in, to the movement, right? The constant dehumanization of our essentially brothers and sisters and of our ancestors and of our family members and our loved ones and just of our other black people, right. you know, yeah. this is why we're here doing this. This is our, one of our many pieces mm-hmm. t- one of, um, to the movement. Yeah, I think that that's something that, the reason why I also go back to that a lot is because I feel like for people who are having trouble with sticking to the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. it's like, if you want these other things to be addressed, I guarantee you, if you get the Black Lives Matter movement addressed and brought to the forefront, everything else will come exactly. up. Everything else will get taken care right. of because a rising tide lifts all boats. Exactly. Black queer people are not going to forget queer people. Yeah. yeah. Black disabled people are not going to forget other disabled people. Exactly. Black women are not going to forget anyone because black women have not forgotten anyone. And as I always say, black women are trying to save the world and we just need to step out of the way. So... <laughs> snap, snap, snap. <laughs> All around the world. Just Thank to put you. that out there, because the woman who exposed what's happening to the hysterectomies going on oh, in God. those ICE yeah. camps was a black woman. So I'm just sorry. <laughs> that just when I hear that, my I just like I the, my body temperature just yeah I'm sorry. Yeah. That is how. Yeah. Go ahead, Queen. So, spill it. Right. So. I just really wanted people to understand that, that, again, black people will continue to show up and show out. Yes. So that's why black excellence is such a thing. And that's why saying black lives matter is so important, because this system was designed to not support that. Mm -hmm. Constitutionally, we were three-fifths of a human being. Constitutionally, on paper... The constitution that people in this country revere as the existence for this nation. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry. So in honoring the constitution, people have honored the notion that black people are only three-fifths of a human being. Still. So, again, there are black Republicans, but they're still black first. Yeah. Because when you get pulled over in the middle of the night... I'm a Republican, so can I just go... Like, that's not like work. that yeah and i will actually say something else talking about the movement and the violence that we've seen especially um ramping up here in los angeles during the second wave mm-hmm. um because again there are black journalists mm-hmm. out there there mm-hmm. are black people documenting there was a person who was severely injured in one of the earlier instances of the second wave and i strongly believe a big part of why they treated him the way they treated him you know they skipped over the fact that he was pressed and they saw a dark skin oh, yeah. he's i yeah. don't he's not black but he's darker than me and yeah. i think in the middle of the night they just thought it was a black dude and they said yeah. who's gonna care right i mean they they in their minds know no one's gonna care they're gonna get away with it whatever i mean there are black police officers 
Right? But you know when they take off that uniform... They're, yeah, I know. Still black? Still black. But blue lives matter. But he's black in a blue uniform. So does this black life matter or... Blue lives. Right. That <laughs> nonsense. Ooh. And what's crazy is, to that point, mm. um, is that there are people... There was a guy who posted... He was a police officer... And he posted a picture of him and his daughter. They were both white. Mm. Uh, you might have seen this. No, not well, this one. Well, it was interesting because they were the mom or whomever wrote the caption mm-hmm. and was like, our daughter doesn't understand why people are so angry at her daddy for what he does that he's discriminated against when he goes out just because of his uniform. And I took it took everything in me not to break my phone. I was just like, did she just make herself... They want to be oppressed so bad. Like... It's not cute to be oppressed. It's not. Like, we're it's fighting not, not to be. And you guys were like, oh, well, we're so oppressed. Today, I'm oppressed because the, wearing a mask is not oppression. Like, somebody telling you to wash your hands is not oppression. I mean, listen. Stop. The fact listen. that you have to be told to wash your hands in the first place, but we'll talk about that another time. That's not oppression. Y'all just want to be oppressed. Okay. Y'all aren't even listening to this podcast because it has the word black in it. But they want to be oppressed so bad. I can't even. I just can't. Sorry. One of the things that is important to talk about, um, of course, is clarifying some of the violence that people might see that occurs at the protest. And for the record, it's the violence that's happening to the protesters, not by other protesters. Um, Which I want to touch on something really quickly. Um... Black on black crime is not a thing. Ain't no black person ever shot another black person for being a black person. I just want to oh, put that out there. Gosh, Point. just want to put that out there. Point. So that's not how that works. Point. Let that myth go. So I guess we'll go in chronological order. So oh yeah, please. Yeah. Yes. So this Wednesday after the verdict of the complete denial and dismissal of what happened to Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. her murder, um, how that was completely just. They were more concerned with a. The several holes that they put in the wall. The shot that he missed was more important than the shots that he made. Yeah. That, so so the complete... Can't. That obviously sent many of us into a rage throughout the country. Um, I actually almost ended up going to Kentucky. And it's still a thing that's ongoing. So even if I have to record this remotely, don't worry. We'll still we'll keep Man. working. Um, it. So there was a, uh, an action, a protest, a march in response to that complete and massive injustice in regards to the murder of Breonna Taylor. And while I was out there, I actually was taking a moment from from marching to actually go prepare to go to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And on my way home, I saw the protest going on. I was like, I can't escape this. This is, I have to be here. Right. So I'm literally walking up. I hear a car and I see people running and screaming and a really empowered Latinx activist uh, Jojo, who, you know, I'll talk about um, Jojo at another point in their experience mm-hmm. of being detained in ICE custody and being in an ICE camp as a very young child, which yeah. is an important story, yeah. um, ran over to me and said, you need to be careful. We are leaving now because we've reached our protest limit for the evening, mm-hmm. but you should be very careful. If you go over there, there are cops. Just So I yeah. ran over and I saw the young woman who had just been run over. Yeah. So no one had, was near her. It was just me and like one other guy. We were trying to get people from not taking pictures of her right. and showing her face in this very vulnerable right. moment. Yeah. So then while we were standing there, we were yelling to let um, the firefighters come in and the paramedics who actually I was... It's sad to say I was shocked that they got there so quickly. Um, no, but, but I'm shocked that you're saying that they got there so quickly. So, I mean, 
at right. that point. Yeah. So then they got there and they were able to help her. And Good. what for me was important in that moment is we we didn't allow that to deter us. We made sure that she was helped and got right. the medical attention that she needed, especially in that moment. And right. people were respectful. Like once they kind of set up, it was bizarre. I'd never had caution tape set up around me. Right. Yeah, that is weird. Um, usually I'm crossing right. over it, but um, and people did start to ease up, and a lot of people were very very understandably upset. Yeah. But we kept marching. And um, we were organized and we continue to emphasize as we had throughout the night to stay close to each other. That's right. Good. To stay close and to stay together and stay tight. Right. Yes. We do this every night. Right. The chant. Um, <laughs> and I was able to speak and it's kind of another instance where I'm like closing out another march. It's just right. yeah, that's kind of been my role in the second week. Right. It's like and I'm closing this out. <laughs> um, but I really yeah, saw that important. people I think it sobered people up. It got them to remember why they were out there. And I remembered, mm -hmm. and I made sure to remind people to vote. Mm. I understand that many of you have a lot of issues with this current election, but you know what? You're not voting for a candidate. You're voting for yourself. Right. And you need exactly. to remember that. You are voting for yourself to have your voice heard, to have your needs met. So you are voting for yourself. Please, 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 please remember please that. Vote. You're voting for yourself. And until we've all agreed on a way to eradicate the current system, yes. we have to work from within it. Absolutely. And we're going to take it down piece by piece Absolutely. and build something beautiful in its place that allows all people to be seen for real this time. Absolutely. I want to talk about your... Um, I mean, I don't want to... But you kind of had a, you had a little moment. It was a little bit of a moment. You had a moment in the movement. <laughs> and for the record, the only thing that would be redacted or censored from this for anyone who's listening is any specific names. No names. That, yeah. you know, because we're not into doxing people. Definitely no names. So I'll have to... Tell the story and I'll, yeah. we'll fix it in fix post. Fix it, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So actually, just like you and the Brianna, uh, when we heard the verdict or that they, you know, no charges or whatever... We went out that Wednesday and it was huge. And then it just continued Thursday when unfortunately um, homegirl was hit with the, the truck or ran over. And then Friday, it's like, okay, we're going out again. Um, but that Wednesday was a 10 mile uh, protest. So it was like, you know, I'll drive if anybody needs help or a ride, you know, we're there. So I went with one or one person, but who was driving and then our friends were in the crowd. We get to the sheriff's station in West so, Hollywood. Sorry, sorry. this is on Friday now. This is Friday, yeah. Okay, cool. So, sorry. Um, so, it, it was in West Hollywood. And the point was to march to the sheriff's station from this park. And then we got there. They said, you have one minute to disperse or else, there, you know, there would be arrests. So, so what, how long had you guys been there before this happened? We parked. Literally. So, so, you literally, like, pulled up. To the sheriff's station. Got out and then... He said, one minute or there will be arrests. Okay. So... West Hollywood streets, as we probably know, are just crazy and they don't make sense sometimes. We had to go down to a neighborhood, make a U-turn in that neighborhood and come back up. And we had a caravan going. Right. So when we got back up towards where we were at um, near the Abbey, mm -hmm. they started breaking us up and making cars go every different direction. Nobody can go the same way. If people were walking, they had to go different directions. Nobody the same way. Okay. Fine. So they sent me and my friend down Santa Monica. So I said... We're done. Let's just go up to Sunset and look and see if we can find our friends or some whoever needs a ride home. Fine. So we go up to Sunset, park it. There is nobody around. There's a gas station to our left behind us. 
street in front of us, you know, everything's closed on sunset. So we're sitting there and then I'm like, oh, hey, when she's on the phone with me at the same time, I'm like, hey, the protesters are coming down. And by this time, it's two trucks and then just a bunch of people walking. And the guy in the wheelchair was um, in front. And well, around what time would you guesstimate? This that was, was probably about 940. OK. By the time they got past my car, we hear noises and then look and then right by the gas station coming around the corner up from Santa Monica onto Sunset is a big armored truck, police everywhere, and then they make the truck stop. And then they say disperse. So the people that were walking started walking backwards where they came from. And by this time, you know, it was a way smaller crowd than the crowd that we were originally with on Santa Monica. So they knew what they were doing. And they said disperse. And then they opened up the truck, um, pulled everyone out, pushed somebody on the ground. One guy was trying to pull away from the cop. And then I just see them push this kid onto the ground and just they're holding him down. So I'm like, okay, they're going to put handcuffs on him. And then another cop just starts as... The kid's being held down, just starts using his shield, his riot shield, to just start hitting his ankles. And at this very same time, other cops are shooting up sunset towards the protesters that they told to disperse. It was never disperse, you have one minute, disperse, nothing. It was just like disperse, okay, well, we're now we're going to push you down and start shooting you. Uh, then there was tear gas. And I'm still in my car with the lights on, and the car's running. And my friend's parked behind me with her car, you know, running and everything. And it just all happened so fast. And then all of a sudden, they were right next to my car standing there. And I'm still filming. Um, they had they pushed the kid in the wheelchair to the side. So he's just sitting there. And so I'm sitting there thinking, like, if I got to get this man out of here, how do I get him into my car? So I'm, like, just on video, just talking to myself the whole time. Like, how do we do this? But then they see me in the car. And then they tap on the window. And they're like, you need to get out of here. I'm like, well, what the fuck do I go? You're shooting at people down there. You really expect me to drive into these people? And I'm like, where do you want me to go? We only stopped because you guys showed up. The whole thing we were going to do is follow the protesters. I know they were going back to the park where we started at. We were just going to follow them there. Never started. So I started choking from the tear gas and went up to the street around the corner to wait for my friend. And she never showed. So they let me go somehow, some way. I think it's because I didn't have anything. Like I usually have signs and stuff, but I took them all down once they separated us. But yeah. So just to see the good cops just holding him down as a bad cop smashes. I mean, they're all horrible monsters. Like there's no, that's not a good cop just sitting there watching this happen. And then when I found out who it was, just the kid's physicality, just knowing just knowing who he is, there was no reason. And he was just standing there and they pushed him down. There was no, it wasn't provoked um, anything. So I do know that he is in a wheelchair now. He wasn't the original kid in the world. Like he is in a wheelchair now. I mean, you use somebody's riot shield to smash someone's ankles and like at least three times I remember seeing. At least three. Um, yeah. So I went around the corner. I thought I was going to be arrested. I posted that video on live. Or sorry, on my um, Instagram stories. And then I uh, had a, a, somebody else in the protest, one of the photographers say like, hey, that's, a really bad video. My friend should probably see that she works for a news company. And I wake up the next morning and just that, that shit went viral. So bad. It was on every media. I call, I put TM, TMZ, if you're listening, I still never gave you permission um, to use my story or quote me. But um, it was, I mean, it was every, everywhere. And then I was just getting interviews after interview request after interview. Like it's still going on now if my, whatever. Um, but the thing is, I'm not going to not talk about it. And anybody who wants to talk about it, regardless, I'm going to set the story straight and talk about the truth and exactly what we saw. And then since then, uh, different videos, at least four um, that I know of, have come out from different angles of people that were there. Again, we've talked about this before. 
um, just between us, but also like in the previous episode, we talked about really saying that, you know, we are the truth tellers of our time hmm. in a way that we couldn't have been previously. We, yeah. we are able to, we are the news. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we are creating our own history. Absolutely. We're documenting our own history. We are sharing our history <laughs> in real time. And yeah. what you did is critical and crucial and why I always advocate for people to stay safe. But if you if you see something, absolutely capture it. Absolutely. And don't hesitate to let people know that this is what's really happening absolutely. out here. This is not controlled by big media. We have no agenda other than equality. Exactly. No one's paying us to go out here and right. risk our lives and then just like, oh, whoops, sorry. Right. Well, you asked for it. You knew what you were getting into. By walking in the middle of the street, we deserve to get shot at. But the very next day, they had a Trump rally in, in Beverly Hills or whatever. Zero cops in sight. That's cute. I want to also ask you a little bit about your experience dealing with the press element of having the press that's out there, Mm -hmm. but also with this in particular. Because I talk a lot about what I feel in terms of the press and and, in times where I do criticize some people who are out there because I feel like they get caught up in the hype. Mm-hmm. They get caught up in getting clout. Mm-hmm. And it's like you become the very sort of media outlet you say you disapprove of. Right. So you have to check yourself. Again, right. as we check our country, we have to be able to check each other. Right. Respectfully, yeah. of course. Especially for those of us who are still within the movement and, and are on the same page. Right. But again, it goes back to me saying that we need to preserve Black Lives Matter staying at the center of mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I just want you to share a little bit about that. And again, I said, you know, feel free to say what you need to say and whatever we Um, protect for privacy reasons, we will. I am so weary of press. Of course, we know what they do to our stories. And even if we do put it out there, how it can be changed around. I did see one news channel do that. They used my clip, but added a completely different story to it. So that's cool. That's cool. With that being said, that was the only one that I saw of everybody that I talked to that did that. The one of... Well, besides um, the friend of a friend from a news station, one of the first people that reached out was from Fox 11. And normally when I hear Fox, I'm angry immediately. But my whole life, I've, I've fucked with uh, Fox 11, and I, I, I kind of trust them. And then when I saw that it was Christina Devine, who is Christina Gonzalez, um, I know she's been with that station forever. She's really a good reporter. And so when I saw that I got to talk to her and we were on Zoom, I was just like, okay, this woman, she's legit. And I got to actually ask her about, she was there at the riots um, Mm -hmm. down in in L.A. So just knowing how she covers it and then watching her her story or her coverage of it, she told the facts. Like she kept it to what it was and what happened and what was on the videos and the interviews with me and myself and another um, person that was there. So that was nice. Um, The ones that I, I mean, I I feel like she genuinely wanted the real story, like not her version, the story. So, and I, you know, I reached out to her and said, thank you for telling the truth. And she's like, if you have anything else, or if I can be any more help, you know, during this, please let me know. Great. But I still feel that a lot of the press just wanted the story and that quick story and then move on to the next thing because that's all it is. It's just a business. One reached out to me. I don't, I I won't say it yet until I talk to them again, but from a a source that I actually really do like. Um, So a, I was asking like, are you guys hiring? But B like, please don't make me hate you after doing this story. But when I talked to her, she was into the story, but she's like, and she said it herself, nobody really focuses on the protesters and what happens to them after. And we talk about a moment and then we never even see if those people are okay. Um, we don't go into who they are and what their positions are and what their experiences are in the movement. Like we don't talk about protesters 
and who they are at all. She really wants to know, not from outside sources, but people that are on the front lines. And so... And that's real journalism. That I'll just call is, that out right now. She is a boss. I was like, well, I will never not speak to you for the rest of my life. That's all right. there is to it. As long as I'm doing this, you've got me. And so she genuinely asked how the, the guy was doing that, you know, she saw in the video. And she's just she said she wanted to check in. She was going to try to talk to him, and if not, just to see if, make sure that he was recovering well. So she was shocked when I said that he was in a wheelchair. She's like, well, rightfully, and that he didn't get any medical attention inside the jail at all. She's, I mean, that, that like you said, is real journalism. All of that was a moment. She's, I, I think she's going to be part of the movement. So I'm really right. excited to work with her. So I've only seen somebody twist it. I went off on TMZ and Perez Hilton, <laughs> and I didn't care, but I blew them up everywhere that I could. But other than that, um, it's been okay. I mean, it's really overwhelming to have that many people in your inbox. Like, yep. it's overwhelming. And then, you know, I just, anxiety and shit just shut down for a day. But for the most part, it wasn't as bad as it could have been or has probably been for others. I'm not going to not talk about it, regardless of where they're from, unfortunately. Um, they can either make up what they want me to say, or I can use my words myself, and they can't say that I said otherwise, I right. guess. Um, and just, it's just that speaking up, like when we see something, like there's nothing I've seen in the comments, like, oh, just somebody else, just uh, like another onlooker or whatever, like, you really expect me to jump out of my car and rush this guy? Like, did they see this big, like, I'm almost six foot, rushing the police, you think they care about his ankles? They don't care about me more than they care about his ankles? Like, stop. It's just about speaking up. If you can't do anything, I really hope my video and some, and everyone else's helps him and helps whoever else. I mean, there's other people that were arrested and hurt that night, not just him, but I don't have their videos, but I've hoped right. in the process that it does help him down the line. What have been your thoughts about those out there documenting? I mean, I want to be candid for those who I feel like are not documenting for the right reasons. Right. Or maybe initially started that way and then shifted over. Hmm. Um, Just in this particular instance. because For be this story? Well, your your experience, because you, you told me earlier about how you felt as a black woman you were ignored or neglected. Oh, oh yeah. And I just wanted to touch yeah. on that, especially because you had something that they wanted. Yeah, of course. So I've been out there since, just like you, since May. Mm -hmm. And I've seen some of the same people, same um, journalists, I guess that's what we're going to just go with that. Yeah, we'll um, call it that. We'll be, be nice. And just out there for months, and they, I've never spoken to these people. They've never spoken to me. They stare at me and like look me up and down, but... We'll stand next to each other with no words spoken. And you are in a, a black space. Um, you're here for... <laughs> okay, you're here for Black Lives Matter. But you feel uncomfortable or I make you feel uncomfortable. I, I just never have they tried to... Uh, have attempted to communicate with me or ask me my experience or, you know, get to know me at all. Seeing me there at the same places that they are multiple days. Because you would think that if you're capturing black stories you would capture the story of a black woman you've consistently seen at a movement you that sometimes think. doesn't have many black women at the events. Sometimes you would, you would think that that would be like, well, this seems like a story worth capturing. You would think. And a lot of times, to that point, I am one of the only black women there. And you see, not to say this is not conceited or anything, but I don't look like, if you think we all look alike, then that's your problem. Let's just start there. Because I don't look like anybody else that I see there. Like, I'm Agreed. either too tall. You know, we just don't... 
there's no reason for you not to. Even when I changed my hair, like I had to reintroduce myself to a number of people. It's like I'm sorry, but that's something I had to do every you... single time. If I got a haircut, <laughs> if I wore a hat, what the hell? people literally could not identify the, me until right. I started speaking. They're like, oh, he's and the, I'd be like, yes, he's the I'm one. still here. <laughs> I hate it so much. Like this, you know. But right. Yeah, I know. So after reintroducing myself, still, you know whatever um this video goes viral and all of a sudden all these people that i've been been with for months oh now they recognize who i am right. now it's exactly. time to send me a message and talk to me and a couple of them like i've been supporting you and reposting your post and like talking about you and like telling people to follow you and like this right. these people are like out there recording the real stuff that's going on and you can't even speak to me when i see you in person like you I can't even say hey, hello thanks for sharing my video right right and like some people I, I have and i stopped talking to them like try to and for anybody out there you don't ever know how much it takes one person to just walk up to you and say hello it takes my body and life to like muster up the strength sometimes just to talk to people and so if it took me like 20 minutes to come and say like hey, I saw your, your pictures and they were really great. And you're just like, yeah. But I see you talking to the person next to you, like a brother or something like that. Like, you know, like it's all cool. Like, can you just humor me maybe? And like, and just be, not even humor me. Just have enough respect in your heart that this person is trying to talk to me and she's being polite and I'm just brushing her off because you ask yourself the reason why you're doing that. Because I don't have the answer. I think I have the answer, but I really hope I'm wrong. That but I'm part. pretty sure that I have the answer. So, But all of a sudden, all those people I've been following for all these months now follow me back. Like, all of a sudden, this is the first time. Like, you do notice this is the first time you sent me a message? Do you see your videos? Like, that I'm, like, whatever. I've been supporting you, and you can at least say hi. I can honestly, and I really hope I'm wrong, and this might sound so negative, but that was a moment. Just like a lot of times, this is a moment for them. And I'm not going to say that anything's going to change. There might be a couple of them that are going to like now start acknowledging me in public. But for the most part, I can see that. And I really hope that I'm wrong. Like, I want to come back next week and be like, you know what? Everybody was so... But that still, with that being said, it took me taking a video of your friend that you talked to being beat in the street for you to acknowledge. And then go viral and then doing interviews. And you saw me on the news and you read my articles now. And now it's time to acknowledge me that I'm worthy of speaking to because being a black woman at these spaces, every day out there fighting and marching with you, even though I can barely walk sometimes, wasn't enough. I had to have a viral video. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's so infuriating. And one thing, I'll just, I'm going to just, a good example is when they were um, waiting to get these people out of the, the jail, um, a girl that I was speaking to, I've never actually seen her out there before, but she said, I don't think she said she's seen me either, but she was there for um, jail support. And she said, well, I was talking to some people who were watching your video and a lot of, and the people that she was speaking of, she told me who she was speaking of. I'm like, oh, I follow them and I know them. Like I'm out there with them every day. They had no idea what my name was. No idea. On my Instagram is my first name. Lala's just a nickname, but my page is not private. Like, I've been at all the same events as you guys have. So it is infuriating. So when I see that, I'm like, okay, are you here for what? Like, th then I question you. Like, before I thought a lot of people were there because they were trying to get the story, but the more I noticed that, I just... You know, I'll even say that you told me something earlier about someone who I had a sneaking suspicion about this individual that they were like they were pretty well connected. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I've seen a lot of people kind of treat them like they're no one knows who they are. No one knows the amazing. And then you, you, you didn't realize but you kind of said something. And I was like, oh, 
So everything I thought about this person is 100% true. Okay. And I was just like, great. I just want to know that. Because, hey, now when I think you're being, you know, yeah. a piece of shit. Yeah. You're being, mean, a you're being, shit. You're being a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. Yeah. And that's, it is what it is. And, and for me, this is why I get very intense with people. And I say, look, mm-hmm. you need to be clear on why you're here. Right. You can't say Black Lives Matter. Right. And ignore the black person right. standing next to you at Completely. a Black Lives Matter protest. Completely. And I don't think people really understand how damaging that is. It doesn't make me want to go out there and be with you. But I'm not here for you. So I still have to put on like some kind of a face. I don't know if it's brave or done, but a face. And go out there and stand with these people who don't fuck with me because... Insert whatever you want to insert there. But now we acknowledge you because you went viral. Like that was only a moment for that. And I hope that helps him. And I was just there not to be, I mean, that wasn't even supposed to happen. You should have been cool with me anyway. Like I'm always there by myself. And you guys know that I'm there by myself every time. I meet up with people, but for the most part, I'm always solo. I also show up alone. Exactly. As you see, 90% of the time, I just... (laughs) Pop just up. pop up exactly <laughs> and then i pop back out and we pop up at the same ones every yeah. time for months and it's like oh you don't see me okay and what i'd like to say to the people who feel like they are out there documenting capturing the real stories and you want to say that you're a journalist you need to have journalistic integrity right and for anyone who's out there right. in general you should have integrity, integrity period. and if you're going to say you're an ally if you're going to say that black lives matter then all black lives need to matter okay. all the time. Okay. Because we've always mattered and we will continue to matter. All but the time. you need to recognize that as non black people. Again, this just goes back to my whole thing. Like, I'll, perfect example. We have protesters and black protesters. Yeah. And the black protesters are getting ignored by the non black protesters. Exactly. At a protest at a for protest black for lives. Black. And we're standing there saying all black lives matter. And I'm like looking like. But do we? Like, I used to brag about how I felt like my Black Lives Matter when I went out to these protests. Right. I did, yeah. And now I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know if y'all even care. Mm-mm. Or if you're just out here because you ain't had nothing to do for the last three months because of COVID. Oh, my gosh. And furloughs. <laughs> I mean, it's true. And, and just... Step into your Black Right. This is our space. Mm-hmm. And I should not feel in a space that I... That is... It's supposed to be an environment for myself to elevate you and protect exactly. you. Exactly, I shouldn't feel so uncomfortable and unprotected. I will say the allies that I have made along the journey have been amazing allies, but they're not always there. It's not the responsibility to be. We are deliberately addressing those who don't. Yeah, yeah. Who don't live up to being an ally? And who it's don't more. live up to being an accomplice. Yeah. As I've said, we have to protect and serve each other because the police are not protecting and serving us. Exactly. Exactly. And when we're out there and these ones that like, oh, yeah, we're totally down for it. I'm like, you're not who are is it Black Lives Matter or or is it I have to get the best shot or I have to get the most likes or I have to get there before this one gets there because I have to tell my version of the story. Tell the truth and make and tell it what it was. And also to <laughs> don't sensationalize the trauma that that's black people the part. are experiencing. And that's what he's doing. And, and, uh. and that's what's hard is because it's like. We are not news stories. Right. We are human beings. Right. And this goes back to what we've talked about before is anything that dehumanizes black people, I'm not interested in. Right. And anything that moves away from this movement, right. I'm not interested right. in. Right. We continue to have to remind people to keep Black Lives Matter at the center of the conversation. And the fact that people are forgetting that Black Lives Matter at a Black Lives Matter protest right. is a problem. Right. 
we just have to be honest. Come on now. I mean, I recognize it more. And I'm, I was trying to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not saying that everybody is there for the wrong reasons. Correct. But there are more there for the wrong reasons still. And I know it was more when everything first started. Like, people that I thought were my friends were out there like, oh, yeah, let's go. And, and I mean, it was all where the cameras were at. Let's go where all the cameras were at. As soon as it started to die down, I've never seen them since. Hold on. To that point, yes. the night, the next morning, I have all these text messages for these people that I don't fuck with anymore that I met in the protest that they haven't been out since but wanted to know if I was okay. I'm like, well, how would you even know what happened? Because they saw it online. What a... This is a big part of my black ass experience. I'm telling you. And I wish it wasn't, but it is the experience. Yeah. So I was very curious about your experience, about your black ass experience. It's infuriating. This isn't just like a fun little moment that like I was there to like to capture something like people don't realize like it's not just a moment though there's a before and after and after effect like and to that point you know <sighs> I hadn't thought about this until just now but you said that you posted it to your story in case something happened to you mm-hmm. I had deliberately also posted something on my story oh, going yeah. back back in June though yeah. back in June in broad daylight right but I went right and right beforehand I said if this is the last thing I do right. I think that's all I said. Mm-hmm. I had that same feeling of like... Just, you don't know. You do not know. And at that point, they were not into anyone who was even vaguely visible. I know. See, now I they know. do it at night. They just start cloak and dagger shit. But before, they really didn't like that there were people who were visible. Right. Now right. they're coming for anyone who they can come, catch them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, they've shifted it a, a little bit. Oh my gosh, they're disgusting. But yeah, I'm so sorry. It's scary that you think that you have to do that. Like, it's normal to, like now wear helmets and i just ordered some shin gears that protect my knee from here down because i just want to march that's it not for anything else because i know they'll still shoot at me just for holding a flag that's insane that this is that that, that's posting a just in case something happens video like i knew i was sitting there choking and like because i'm sitting in my car choking with it on they're gonna come up and run up on me and like they never did they were focused on my friend but i mean this is america holy hell and I think, in t- <laughs> I think in talking about that, though, I don't know. One of the yeah. things I do want to say is, we are still continuing our moments within the movement, right? And we are going to continue because, as we've said, is this is bigger than us. It's so much bigger. Which, right. even in talking about this, doesn't diminish how invested I am. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. But we do have to have these conversations to unburden ourselves because as we said, we have to continue. Right. So in having this conversation, it allows us to unburden ourselves to continue the work. Right. Exactly. You know, this isn't about crying and complaining just for the sake of it. It's about highlighting things that are not effective, right. things that are damaging the movement, and also giving ourselves mm-hmm. time and space to breathe. Exactly. And be like, all right, regroup. Here we go. Right. But I did nothing but interviews and right. and just, you know, trying to put it together. And it doesn't get easier talking about it every time. Like, it didn't happen to me and that was traumatizing. So just imagine, like, I can't imagine because I've been there. Yeah. But just imagine, like, just, yeah. And, and, and that's why I want to remind people that what we do is for the right reasons. Because when we're organized, it is safe. Mm. But what is not safe is speaking up against a racist oppressive system that part so the protests and the marches are effective and they matter and in that we are moving and we are marching towards changing the system yes you know if we're gonna say fuck the system we have to fuck it till it changes right that's what we gonna do as malcolm (laughs) said you know not only did he say the most neglected person in america is the black woman he also said by any means necessary 
I just was like having like a boohoo moment, but I'm like, I wonder how different the world would be if they never shot Malcolm, um, Dr. King. Like, just imagine, they, they always try, they always take out the freedom fighters. They always take out those who want equality. They always take out those who are in it for the right reason. I mean, I just am just, I, I can't even imagine what that world would be because this is the world that we were given because they do take away those people the, the black panthers like imagine if that was left alone if they actually let that grow just let black people grow period not even just the black panthers just imagine a world where they're just yeah we're here we're, well, we're here trying to get there <laughs> we're here i know just imagine though just a world of equality and understanding and I just love those comments that when I was reading online about the video, I'm like, I just couldn't even imagine accepting brutality or um, excusing brutality or like making excuses or some people were just like, well, you don't even know what happened before the video. I'm like, here's the second video that shows everything that happened. Miss me with that bullshit. Like regardless of what happened before to have like at least three cops holding him down, one straightened out his legs so the other can sit there and bang. No matter what could have happened before that does not justify using a shield to break someone's ankles. If they had time to hold him down, they had time to handcuff him. This Enough. Someone was jumped. Let's, if we, if that's we, if, exactly what that was. It was a gang jumping. Yeah, a, a kid that's probably what a buck forty. Yeah, like get, go home, go yeah. home with that, and don't ever leave the house again. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that shit anymore. Seriously, we're here. We're not going anywhere. This is bigger than us. It's not a moment. And if it's a moment for you, if you're just in it for the moments, you're not in it. You're not in it for the right reason. And that's what I feel like. Just to your question. A lot of those people that are still out there are there to catch that moment. And this movement is going to go right past and them. That's the point. It's a movement. And it's going to pass up that moment every time. Mm-hmm. So hope those peasants learn. Like, this is not it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The I'm sophisticated done. shade is my favorite thing ever. <laughs> it's so sophisticated. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my God. So speaking of moments and movements, this moment is over for us but the movement of my black ass experience is not over to i'm here with cami and i'm aj and we will see y'all next time stay safe y'all thank you i'm dancing to the outro music that's not put in yet <laughs> <laughs>